Well, God bless you this morning. You can be seated. As we continue in this message, I was just praying this morning and really felt an anointing of God when we were worshiping on pouring out our praise this morning. And so I want to get somewhere in my message and then I want to actually, I feel to open it up for prayer this morning. And uh, so as we get into the, the word this morning, as we really close down this series on Jude, I believe that the Holy Spirit's gonna release some things in your life, release some things in our church to give us power to really fight for the faith that we have in our lives. You guys ready to dive in this morning? Well, if you open your Bibles, you'll see in the book of Jude, Jude 1.11, it says this, and this is where we've really been getting our content, where we've been getting, uh, of looking at what is going to be uh, affecting really an end times church. What is going to be, what is it going to look like before Jesus comes back? What are the things the church is going to be really struggling against and fighting against? Well, Jude 1.11, it says this. It says, what sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. And so this morning, I want to preach from the topic of the footsteps of Cain. We've looked at of how we're going to win our war in week one of, of going through the book of Jude. We've looked at remembering Lot's wife. We've looked at how, um, as you get into the book of Jude, it said, that they perverted the grace of God, that they use it as a license to sin. They would just opt out for the mercy of God. Therefore, there was no power in their church. There was no power in their lives. We looked at what is, we really did a case study on Lot's wife. We then looked at Lot himself and looked at what was the compromise. What, how did they get to that place of moving closer and closer to Sodom and Gomorrah? And then last week, we looked at really a place of of what are the waters of compromise? What's areas of compromise that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to get in our business and to address? Because we don't want to be treading in the water of compromise. We don't want the river of the Holy Spirit to dry up in our lives. But we want his flow. We want his presence. We don't want to become stagnant. We just don't want to give a, a token of worship. We just don't want a religious service. But when we come, it's in the presence of God where God does his best work. It's in the presence of God where really sin is handled and addressed and power is given to overcome. And so this morning, the footsteps of Cain, when you really get into the deeper picture of what's taking place here, you're going to see a story that's so much more than Cain murdering his brother Abel. You're going to really see a story that has to do about worship, that has to do about an offering that was brought forth, that was rejected, and that one was accepted of God. And I pray this morning, every time we come into the house of God, when we pour out our praise, when we pour out our worship, that we bring God an offering that he is pleased with, that we bring him a life of worship. We bring him a life that wants to honor him and lay ourselves down and say, Holy Spirit, my life, everything is yours except this offering I'm giving to you. How many of you want God to be pleased with your offering, be pleased with your life? And so we really see this in the footsteps of Cain that in the book of Jude, it says, remember the, the footsteps of Cain as, as Jude goes, touches these Old Testament stories and reminds us that don't follow in the footsteps of what they had done. 
And so it says that there's this way of Cain, there's these footsteps of Cain that we want to be aware of this morning. Let's look at what the story of Cain and Abel says. Many of us know it, we've heard it, we've read it, but I want us to be refreshed on it this morning. It's found in Genesis 4, if you turn there. It says this, it says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. And it says later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of his firstborn lands from his flock. Here's where we see out of these gifts that were bringing, that were brought. It says, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And it says, because of this, this made Cain very angry and he looked dejected or his face was downcast, that it was very visible, that he was angry at God, that he was mad, that his gift, his offering was not accepted. I want to pause here in the story and, and really give you some context and really take a deeper look at, at what is taking place here. As this is, is, commentary would say, one of the first church services we see in the Bible. We know that Cain and Abel were the first, or Cain really was the first that was born as a baby by Adam and Eve and then his brother Abel. And we see here what's taking place is they're coming to this place to worship as brothers. They're coming to bring an offering to God. And what we just read, it says that one brought an offering, Cain, and Abel brought an offering, and God said yes to one, and he said no to another. Now, when you read this kind of with the naked eye, it would be easy as you just kind of read through it and don't really hit the details, is that you can begin to try to pick, okay, what was it physically in his hands, what they brought, is it, is it what they brought, was it detestable or what did, was it not accepted of God because one was a farmer and one worked uh, in, in produce. You see there, there are different jobs there. So you see, it, you, it's, you wanna ask the question, was it physically what they brought that God said, no, I, I reject one and I accept the other. But when you, when you get into the story, you see it's something that's so much deeper, that it wasn't what was physically in their hand but here's the point that we see it with Cain and Abel, and this is really where I want to get to, but it, it's what was in their heart. It's what was in their heart that God said yes to, and it was what was in their heart that he said no to. And so as I was praying through this, I began to ask the Holy Spirit, and I began to study what was it that was in Cain's heart that Jude said, do not follow in these footsteps because it's not going to be a pleasing aroma to me. What, what was in his heart that caused the rejection of God or not the favor or the blessing of God upon his life. And because he was rejected, see, Cain was very prideful. We're gonna see as, as um, you look in 1 John three twelve because you have to go to the New Testament because Cain is referenced several times. You'll begin to see that what was in his heart that caused his offering, that caused his gift to be rejected. The very thing as you look in 1 John three twelve, it says this, it says, we must not be like Cain. So again, you see this common theme of don't be like Cain. Don't be like him. It says, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. 
And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. You get and you study this, it will begin to say that what Cain dealt with was a heart of jealousy. What Cain struggled with, which is the 10th commandment, was a heart of envy. That this was the spirit that was in his heart that caused the Lord to reject his offering. You also see in Hebrews 11.4, it says this, that we see another point of insight into what was in Cain's heart and what was in Abel's heart that caused rejection and acceptance. It says it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So we see right there that Abel brought his gift, brought his offering in a spirit of faith and a spirit of belief. Where the opposite of that, you can see, is where Cain brought an offering in unbelief. There was no faith. And so you see right off the bat that Cain dealt with jealousy. He dealt with envy, that there was no faith in his offering. There was unbelief. Where then you see Abel's offering, it was brought in a spirit of faith. It was brought in really bringing his first fruits, bringing his best. Other commentary will say where Abel brought his best, he brought the first fruits. Cain brought what was handy and what was close by, grabbed it, and then went to bring it to God. You'll also see as this gets into the heart of worship, it will tell us that true worship is something that is costly. A, a living a life of sacrificial worship to God is truly something that is costly. And when I begin to examine my life, my faith, my worship, if it's not costing me something, I'm usually questioning, what am I really worshiping? Where is, where is my walk with, with God? Why isn't there, there's always that cost associated to it because we're bringing our lives. And see, when you look at the scripture, Many times we see that he, it's easy just again to read through it and see that it was the gift that was rejected or accepted. But it actually says that Cain was rejected and his gift was rejected. And it says, and Abel was accepted and his gift was accepted. So we see again that it's not just physically what is in, his, in their hands that causes, caused the rejection and acceptance. Again, it was that which was in their hearts. And what I want you to begin to think about this morning is just to examine your heart. What is it that's in your heart? Is it something that when you come into the house of God, when you come to worship, because again, worship is much bigger than you and I sitting here this morning, receiving the word of God, worshiping God. Worship is when you have this attitude to say, I'm worshiping God by how I love my spouse. I'm worshiping God by how I'm loving my children and my family. I'm worshiping God with my time. How am I spending my time? I'm worshiping God with the gifts and the talents he's given me. I'm worshiping God with my treasure. I'm worshiping God not just with what I can physically bring him. I'm worshiping God with every part of my life. And so this is really the deeper picture we see here with Cain and Abel. And again, we see the footsteps of Cain is what rejected God's acceptance and his favor and his blessing on his life was a spirit of envy and was a spirit of jealousy, unbelief and not having faith. I don't know about you, but I love you, but when I come to the house of God, my focus is to worship an audience of one. 
How many of you know the enemy wants to fight your focus to worship an audience of one? He wants to get in your mind right when you walk into the church, get you thinking about this, get you thinking about that, get you off focus where your worship doesn't become pure, where your worship doesn't become, in a sense, just to get you off track of saying, I'm here to please God. I'm here to bring an offering to God. See, I think, and just being in this for almost four years consistently every Sunday, it's easy to begin to examine and see hearts and see motives and see attitudes and things of coming of wanting to get something from God versus coming of wanting to bring something to God. See, true worship isn't coming and saying, God, what do you got for me? I'm, I'm here to receive. That's a part of it. But true worship is saying, when I come to worship God, I am bringing him something. I'm bringing my heart. I'm bringing my marriage. I'm bringing my family. I'm bringing every part of my life and saying, God, let it be pleasing to you. Accept this offering I'm giving to you. Accept this worship. And so again, we see these stark differences of what was in Cain and what was in Abel. And it's a great reminder is, is we see things unraveling in our world as we see the unsettling of people, we see commentary will also say that Cain, to give away the end of the story, you know it, but Cain would be one that apostatized. He walked away. He was unrepentive. And we're going to see that God is such a merciful, good God, even in the story where he came to Cain time, one time he came to Cain a second time, trying to elicit a response to get him to repent. But because of Cain's envy, because of his jealousy, because of his pride, there was no repentance that took place. Therefore, he was sent into a town, the town of Nod, it says, which means a place of wandering, a place of confusion. That, that because of his unrepentive heart, God's mercy kept coming after him. I know God's mercy will come after us time and time again, but if it comes to a place of where you say, no, I'm not going for it, I'm not going to repent, I'm not going to change, then it says that God marked him, and we'll see what that means. But look what it says. So Cain became very angry because his offering, his gift, his heart was rejected and Abel's was received. So again, this jealousy began to stir up, this anger began to stir up in Cain. And so here's where we see God come to him right after his gift was rejected. In verse eight or verse six, it's God says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? Why is your face so downcast? You will be, so he's saying, hey, you messed up here. You, you didn't bring your best. There's some things, there's some sin in your life. There's this envy, there's this jealousy. But he's, he gives instruction. God is always good to give instruction. It's his mercy and his grace you see here. He says, you'll be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Watch out. It says, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But it says, you must subdue it and be its master. And this is the verse that I felt the power of God in when I was reading it. Because the heart of God for you and I this morning is to understand we have an enemy, understand to understand how sin works, that it's constantly crouching at the door. But he's saying, if you'll lean in, if you'll trust me, if you'll listen to me, if you'll get jealousy and envy in Cain's life, if you'll get it out, then you'll understand that there's power to master the sin that wants to subdue your life. 
There's power to master the compromise that wants to subdue your life, to make you ineffective and to make you powerless, to, to really steal your heart of worship, to steal your, the praise in your life. What's pretty awesome about this story is you see a great comparison to when God came to Adam and Eve after they had sinned. He came to them asking questions. What did God say after Adam and Eve had sinned? He said, Adam, where are you? So he was giving them an opportunity to come clean about their sin. And that's what we see happening right here with Cain is God is giving Cain an opportunity to come clean about why is he angry? Why, are you, why is your face so downcast? Let's talk about it. Let's, let's get to this place of repentance so that you can get back to a heart of worship. But again, it was the envy, it was the jealousy, it was his pride, it was his, his unbelief, it was not having a spirit of faith that was robbing him of, in that moment of God wanting to do a work in his life. Now I was thinking about this because I've been here before. Of, uh, and if you have a mother who, who loves you, uh, you'll understand that they love to wait up for you as a kid when you get home after hanging out with friends. Anybody ever been there before? Well, I can remember several times. Got, finally got a truck, was able to you know, get out and experience some freedom, and there was always a curfew that we had to get back at a certain time. How many of you know when you're not back after that curfew, you're getting a text, you're getting a call, and you can expect mom to be waiting up in her robe to ask, to elicit some questions to get a response of where you've been and why you're late. And so I just began thinking that this is really what God was doing with Cain, is was giving him that time to come clean about what was in his heart. And the thing is, I can remember the questions mom would begin to ask. And you look back and you're like, why wasn't I just honest up front? Why did I have to try to make up who I was, was with or what I was doing? Why did I? It's always best just to come clean. Like you just start digging yourself in a hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it runs in the family, I guess. I don't know. But this is what we see taking place here is that God is trying to give Cain a chance to come clean. This is the first time we see. And he even says, he gives this lesson, if you do what's right, you know, you know I'm giving you a chance, I wanna teach you what to do what is right. And then he says, really the why behind it all is that sin is crouching at the door, it's eagerly waiting to subdue you, but I wanna teach you how to subdue it and master it. And that's really the power we have in the Holy Spirit of where we're at today, of the power we have of knowing him, is that we have power to subdue the sin that wants to entangle us and ensnare us. I love this. Until you deal with it, don't think it's, God is simply going to wink at it and tell you it's fine, because it's not. We don't see God do that with Cain. We just don't say, say, hey, it's okay. You messed up. I love you. You're good. Just, you know, you're good. No, God is wanting to deal with the core issue that's in Cain's heart. He's not going to simply wink at it. That's why he says the sin is crouching. This is a big deal here. As I said before, I pray your heart and your perspective of when you come into the presence of God and when you come into the house of God that this is the place where the sin in our heart can be dealt with, where the attitudes of our heart that aren't pleasing to God can be dealt with, where in Cain's case, if he were to come into the presence of God, he rejected it, he would not repent, but his jealousy could be dealt with, the envy could be dealt with, the unrepentant heart 
could be dealt with. The rebelliousness could be dealt with. As I was studying on jealousy, simply it says it exposes itself in three ways. Number one is you internalize it and you become depressed. Number two, you externalize it and you become angry and violent as was that with Cain because he uh, uh, put his, acted upon his jealousy. What did he do? He went and he murdered his brother out of a spirit of jealousy. Or number three, which is my heart this morning, is that you give it to God in a spirit of repentance and he takes it away. That's how beautiful repentance is and the gift of repentance that when we're dealing with rebellion, when we're dealing with sin, when we're dealing with a heart of jealousy, when we're dealing with just a, a, a place of compromise, he gives us repentance. That is the exchange that's to take place, the power of the cross to get that out of us so that we can get back in the river as we talked back last week and allow that flow of his presence to once again be reinstated in our lives. And so we see this, he asked him, why are you angry? But he would not repent. So he's, he's trying to give these wake-up calls to Cain before he was going to do something stupid. What did he do? Verse eight, it says, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out in the fields. And while they were in the field, it says Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Right here we see premeditated murder. That it was something because of his gift, because of his offering being rejected, he left that church service so angry, so jealous, full of envy and pride that he began to think of how am I gonna get even about this? I'm so mad that my younger brother Abel's offering was accepted. I gotta get even with this. I, I, this, is, this is not okay. So what we see here is that Cain went to this place of premeditating something. You see, when we find ourselves in a place of, of not in the, in the presence of God and not allowing his presence to, to flow through us, to heal us, to set us free, to deliver us, it's easy to then to go into a place of just being numb to it, of being numb to sin, where we actually start doing something crazy. If we start premeditating how we're gonna sin when we leave or how we're gonna sin when we get out or, or what's gonna make me feel good about to get this release of what I'm dealing with. And so it says that Cain began to premed, he premeditated this and he put a plan together of how he was gonna get even and it was to kill his brother Abel. Abel would be the first murder we see in the Bible or the first person murdered, Cain committing the first murder. And here's where we see God show up again. Again, we see a good God here giving Cain time and chance, time and chance to repent and to come clean. Look at verse nine. It says, afterward, the Lord asked Cain. He said, where's your brother? Giving him a chance to come clean, asking questions to elicit a response. He said, where's Abel? Cain stupidly says, I don't know. Come on, you're lying to God. How stupid are you? I don't know. And Cain responded and just sarcastic. Am I my brother's keeper? doesn't take it serious. Again, so numb, so jealousy, envy, it got the best of him, made a stupid decision. But what we see is a good God in the process of all of it, trying to give Cain an opportunity to come clean, to repent. You know, I think about this. I have two kids. I couldn't imagine this situation now. I have other brothers. I couldn't imagine getting so mad and, and falling into a, a spirit of wanting to take the life of one of my brothers. 
You have to see the trajectory of, of where Cain went. And that's why God came to him time and time again, because he really saw what Cain was dealing with. And he loved him that much to give him a chance to come clean and to be set free of the vice that was wanting to really destroy his life. Look what we see in verse 10, that Cain comes to this place. And this is really where I see when I'm stubborn, we see God really trying to intervene here when we don't wanna listen to him. But here's what it says in verse 10. But the Lord said, what have you done? He's saying, what are you doing? So God kind of, you know, gets up in his face a little bit. and He says, what are you doing? You know who you are. You know better. What in the heck are you doing? And look what he says, listen. See, there's many times where we just want to, we want to just hear, like we act like we're hearing. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not listening. So I think through all this, Cain was hearing what God was saying, but he wasn't listening. He wasn't listening. Look what it says. But the Lord said, what have you done? What are you doing? Listen. So the God says, this is what is now happened. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops to you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. See, time and time again, God gave the opportunity for Cain to repent, to come up out of his envy, to come up out of his jealousy. But because he constantly said no to repentance, coming clean to God, then here was the consequence of his sin. You know, when I think about bringing God an offering, bringing God a place of worship, there's this sober reality and there's this fear of God that begins to come upon you where you begin to, to pray in this way. Father, I know this isn't my body. I know this is not my mouth. This isn't, these are not my feet. These are not my eyes. I want to present them to you as an act of worship. Everything I look at, what I listen to, what I say, what the motives in my heart are, constantly checking them to making sure they're led by the Spirit of God, not by what my flesh wants. That this is really the place of worship. When we come into the house of God, when we get real with God and bring him this attitude and this posture of worship, it goes so much deeper than just what, again, we bring him with our hands, but it's what is in our heart in every part of our life. Verse 13, it says this, Cain replied to the Lord. So he begins to feel the weight of his punishment. He says, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. So basically, what he's done, he knows is such an offendable offense that the price, there's gonna be a price upon his head that people are gonna want him dead because he had committed murder. Here's what the Lord says. Again, we see a gracious God here. The Lord replied, no, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. You, I find it funny, a commentator said that this is the first tattoo we see in the Bible, that this mark was put on Cain that said, don't mess with Cain. That God had a, a purpose in that. And so it says that there was this mark upon Cain's life. Other church fathers will also say that this mark, because of the sin he had committed, his face was marred or his face was disfigured, that he didn't even look like the same person because of the sin that had taken place in his life. 
And I find that very interesting because honestly, that's what sin does. It, it wants to mar you. It wants to so change you and disfigure you and get you so far away from God's design in your life. That's why we have to understand it's always crouching at the door waiting to pounce. And us as, as believers in this hour, we have to know how to subdue it and master it because if we don't, it will subdue us and master us. And so he says there would be this mark, this sevenfold punishment to anyone who wants to kill, to kill you. Then the Lord again put a mark on him. And so Cain left the Lord's presence. And here's where I find it interesting because we see this theme in the book of Genesis. Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, if you remember in our, in our talks, our messages, sermons on Lot, that east of Eden always represents, I'm going further from the presence of God. Babylon is east of Eden. Sodom and Gomorrah is east of Eden. It says that Lot pitched his tent east of Eden. So we see this theme of when there's not this repentance and this turning back to God, that sin will make you keep going further from the presence of God. And so we see this theme here, that Cain, again, went east of Eden to the land of Nod. He was a wonder. He was confused. He paid a great price because he wasn't willing to respond to the presence of God, to deal with his sin and allow the Holy Spirit to do his, his best work and to really mark him. It's sad that he had to be marked by his sin where we see in the New Testament in Ephesians that we're marked by the Holy Spirit, that he is our seal, that we have this mark of the Holy Spirit on our lives where we can have power against sin because that's the only way we can subdue sin. It's not knuckling it. It's not gritting through it. It's not saying, I'm gonna subdue sin. It's getting in the presence of God and allowing him to deposit power in our lives to say no to sin and yes to the Spirit of God. And so this morning, again, this is what was in my heart. I wanna offer a time of prayer and this is what I wanna do is I wanna pray, and then anyone, I just want anyone who wants prayer to come forward, and I want us to line up, and just line up straight across here, and then I wanna lay hands on you. And I wanna lay hands on you for this very specific purpose, as we saw in the scripture, that the presence of God constantly came to Cain, twice we see, to elicit this response of repentance. And for him, it was jealousy, it was pride, and it was envy, that stopped the flow and the work of God in his life. And that's where God said, Cain, sin is crouching at the door. If you don't master it, it's going to subdue you. I believe in this hour we have to take sin seriously, honestly. We have to take compromise serious. We can't just play with it. We can't just coddle it, and we can't just pat it. And my heart is, let's ask the Holy Spirit. Let's ask him to give us power over sin. Let's ask him to give us power over compromise that we follow Abel's path, that which Abel is a picture of Christ. What we'll begin to see, he is a type of Christ, where Abel, in humility, Abel, in a heart of wanting to honor God, bringing his best, his offering was accepted. Because I want us to be a church that takes the worship of God serious, that there is a reverence to worshiping God, not just throwing something together and giving him what we have or giving him what we don't need. Think about this. I work in junk removal on the side and many times people always have a pile they wanna donate, usually take to Goodwill. 
Now, many of the times, it's usually not the best stuff they want to donate. It's the stuff that's in the way. It's the stuff that's causing the clutter, and then they want to give it away. That's awesome, but they're not giving out of a place of, I want to give my best. And see, as believers, yes, we bring our sin. Yes, we bring the things that are, ba- are bounding us and keeping us in a place of, of moving forward. We bring those things, but also in worship, we bring him our best. We bring him an attitude that says, I want to worship you. I want to give you who I am. And so what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do, and again, as I was praying through this, I felt the power of God just begin to stir in me. That God wants to break some things. He wants to deliver us from some things that are keeping us bound. And see, many times Cain was so, and he couldn't even see the jealousy and the envy that was in his life. That was honestly the thing. And many times we can't see the thing in our life that's keeping us frustrated, that's keeping us bound, that's keeping us shackled. But when we give it to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you in this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm gonna focus in, I'm gonna say, here I am. I don't want anything to subdue me. I don't want anything to master me. I wanna be controlled and led by you. I want your spirit. If your spirit doesn't go with me, I will not go. I'm telling you that when you get serious in these moments, you'll see the power of God come into your life and begin to break these things off, break off these entanglements, break off these compromises, break off the things like Lot's wife that are in you that are constantly pulling you to look back, to go toward a life that just wants to be comfortable and please the flesh and please the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, what we see the works of the flesh are. And I'm telling you, if we can begin to repent, if we can just begin to say, Father, forgive me, I repent of the sin in my life. That's what the church is supposed to be. When you come into the house of God, it is a place that in the presence of God, we get right with God. We repent of the sin. We repent of the, the bitterness and the offense and, and the, the envy that was in our heart this week where we couldn't stand that person. We couldn't look at that person. I'm telling you, the things that our flesh keep bringing up in our life when we come into the presence of God, that's the place that God does his best work, and that's the place that God deals with us. And so again, I want to pray, and I'm including myself in this prayer, that we would be able to master, because you don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know the temptation that's gonna hit you when you get out this door. I pray no one in here is premeditating what sin they're gonna do when they're gonna leave. I don't think there's anyone in here doing that. But I honestly believe The scripture says there's power in the laying on of hands. And I want us to be a church that's short up, a church that doesn't, let's get rid of the compromise in our lives and let's ask the Holy Spirit to empower us. As it says in the book of Jude when it ends, it says, our God is able. Our God is able to present us faultless before our Lord. He's the one who's able to give us this power. So I want you to bow your heads. I want to pray for you. And then I just want to simply invite you up. I want us to line up and I want us to lay hands on you and pray for this power. Father, right now, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you give us power. We thank you that this is a church, that our hearts right now as we come into unity, that we want to be that like Abel who brought a sacrifice, who brought an offering, a gift that was accepted of God. God, the very thing that caused Cain to be rejected was no faith, was jealousy, and was an unrepentant heart. 
Father, right now in your presence, and just whisper this to him. Say, Holy Spirit, I repent of any sin in my life. I repent of any sin that I've allowed that was crouching at the door, that I allowed the door to be opened. And because I allowed the door to be open, it began subduing me. It began subduing some relationships in my life. It began subduing maybe some at my attitude toward things. It began subduing my mindset on things. It began subduing my finances. You name it, whatever that sin, you know it, began to subdue. Just say, Holy Spirit, I repent of that. Cleanse me, forgive me. And Father, we ask that as we're praying this, as we're reaching out to you, God, that you would give us the power to then master the thing that the enemy wanted to destroy us and subdue it, that we would throw it back in the enemy's face and take our authority as believers. Father, we thank you that you give us this warning. Don't follow in the footsteps of Cain. Don't be deceived. God, that we would take and take heed that you said to Cain, stop just, you're, you're hearing what I'm saying, but you're not listening. God, that we would listen, that we would take your word serious. And God, we believe that right now, as we respond in the spirit of faith, as we reach out to you, God, that you're gonna give us power to overcome unforgiveness in our life. You're gonna give us power to overcome offense, jealousy, envy, wickedness, sin, any vile, any vice, anything that's creeping and crouching at the door. We don't even know maybe what's behind the door, but as we take and as we rise and as we take our faith and bring our worship to God this morning in a spirit of repentance, God, we believe we're even gonna have authority to kick what's behind that door crouching where it's not even gonna feel comfortable to come close to the door. We're gonna do some offense this morning. So God, we thank you for your power. Let your anointing touch us this morning. Prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So right now, if you need prayer, I want you to come up out of your seat.